they have been baptized. When you now have a brand new person that God has entrusted you and your church with, this is what I recommend based on what I was seeing in the book of Acts as we looked at and examined a little bit earlier. We need to teach them how to have a devotional life through prayer and Bible study. If they're going to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ, right, they're growing in Jesus. If they're going to have that relationship with him, then they're going to need to know how to talk to him through prayer. They're going to need to know how to hear back from him through the word, through a daily devotional experience with him. We have our Sabbath school quarterly that assists us in studying the Word of God. I have another seminar by which I walk you through how to devotionally study the Bible throughout the year and intentionally hear God speak to you from the text. And you begin to fall in love with the God who in 1 John 4, 8 describes himself as love itself. But they need to have a devotional life as they grow in Jesus Christ, but they also need to grow in community. We saw that in the text in Acts chapter 2 growing in the context of small, loving communities. If you are writing your notes, you may want to write down in the first uh, sentence after the connect with Jesus, grow with Jesus, uh, serve with Jesus, and go for Jesus, you may want to write this. Connect is any evangelistic activity. Connect is, that un is what you want to write in that first underlined part of the sentence. Connect is any evangelistic activity that leads to someone committing to Christ and his church through baptism. But now we're under grow. Growing in Jesus, you grow in Jesus personally through prayer and Bible study and in loving community through grow groups in a neighborhood near you, and I'll explain that in a few minutes. Yes. Yes. You want to write down there, growing in Jesus, or are you seeing that, the second sentence? Growing in Jesus personally, or grow personally through prayer, and Bible study, and in loving community, through grow groups, you may also want to write small groups either way, in a neighborhood near you. And I'll explain that a little bit as we continue. Right now we have someone that goes to Washington Adventist University. She is from a Pentecostal background. Uh, she has a powerful testimony by which I wish I had time to share that with you, but uh, the Lord has brought her to an understanding of our truth just through studying the Word of God and hanging out with some of us at school. And I found out a little bit about her story, and this was right around the time that our church began to launch, we just launched January 11th, Grow Groups, church-wide, based on where our members are clustered together, based on where they live, based on their zip code. That's done intentionally because the groups are close to where you live. When they gather together during the week, they all live within no more than five miles of each other. We did that very intentionally. I'll explain a little bit more about that. But she lived here in, lived, is, is this Tacoma? Yes, Tacoma Park. 
She lives here in Tacoma Park. And I began to look at some of the other members in our church that live around her. We formed a grow group, and she is now growing in Jesus Christ. Her baptism is next month. She's inviting her family that are still Pentecostal. She's invited some of her friends now, and they're about to start serving in our children's ministry. All in the context, and this just happened very recently and very quickly, so God is moving ahead of my own expectations. But this all happened in the context of loving community, where she developed friendships and grew in studying the word of God. There's also a young lady right now who recently came down, said she wanted to be baptized at our church at the appeal time. I went around back because not only did we want to get her connected with our Bible worker, but I wanted to let her know that we've got a small group just for you. We've got a grow group based on where you live. I went back there. I said, where do you live? She says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm already in a grow group because we had already broken up the entire church into grow groups. And we have a system by which we, 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 we monitor that. And she had already been added. And so she's like, oh, no, I'm already in a group. And so we can cultivate that relationship. And after we've reaped, they've been baptized, they can continue in their groups. As we saw, they continued steadfastly from house to house and in the temple. All right, I'm going to need to move a little quickly here because we still have about another uh, 20 or so minutes. So a person now is growing in Jesus personally and in loving community in a small group or a grow group. We then want to move them to the next phase. We want to move them to the next phase of discipleship that we saw, and that is serving with Jesus. We are co-laborers with Christ. We work alongside him as we serve our community and our local church. That is serving. You want to write this down in the, in the third sentence. Serve, serve with Jesus. Serve with Jesus through one of the ministries in the church or community based on your spiritual gifts. I'm going to repeat it one more time. Serve with Jesus through one of the ministries in the church or based, or, or community in the church or community based on your spiritual gifts. One of the reasons why sometimes we struggle with getting volunteers to serve in different ministry capacities is because it's just not their gift. You know, have you ever felt like you're a circle being forced into a square? You ever felt like you just don't fit? This and it's not that you don't want to serve. You know, you love the Lord, but this just is not my spiritual gift, and that's okay. We have resources and tools to help people understand what their spiritual gifts are at our church. We are developing a spiritual gift coordinator role. So after someone is placed in a grow group, we now want to help them serve with Jesus. So we first help them understand what their spiritual gift is if they don't already know what it is. And we place them in ministry based on that. So they're fulfilled. I'm gifted in singing, so of course I want to join the choir. Serving with Jesus. But then we move to the, the final step, and that is going for Jesus. A disciple makes other disciples. A disciple makes other disciples. You want to write in your fourth sentence, go for Jesus. Go for Jesus by being equipped to reach, and here it is, your family, friends, we're under, we're under the fourth sentence, to reach your family, your friends, neighbors, and co-workers through personal evangelism, community service, and reaping events or meetings. Again, that is go for Jesus. That's echoing again the Great Commission. 
Go for Jesus by being equipped to reach family, friends, neighbors, and coworkers, or anybody else that's in your sphere of influence. Where you work is not, on, is not by accident. Where you live is not by accident. Your neighbor is not by accident. You are specifically placed where you are right now in life because there's somebody in your sphere of influence that Jesus has called you to reach. He says, all authority has been given unto me, therefore go. And if you look in the Greek, that text is not just saying go somewhere. It's saying as you are going about life. Make disciples. Yes, in Matthew 28, verse 18, when Jesus said, you know, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth, therefore go. If you look in the Greek, what it's actually saying is, as you are going about life, wherever you are, make disciples of all nations. Because he strategically placed us where we are for a reason. Everybody that you are around is your mission, is your ministry. I wish I had more time to elaborate on that, but there are several ways that we can go for Jesus. Number one, again, I stress that personal relationships is one of the best ways to reach people. Friendship evangelism, you know, personal evangelism, relationally reaching people for the kingdom. I call it loving people into the message. Build trusted relationships with people. Be friends with people, and they'll want to hear what you have to say. They won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Amen? But there are other ways that we can corporately as a church go for Jesus. And we can do evangelistic meetings. We can do week-long revivals. Fun, as I mentioned earlier, is evangelistic. As you're doing social events, bring people that are not from the church to have fun with you. They'll get a sense of belonging, and then they'll believe, and then they'll become. Okay? Every event, everything that we do as a church, corporately or individually, is evangelistic. All right? This individual now is becoming a missionary person, all right? They're developing a lifestyle of evangelism. They're becoming a disciple that makes other disciples. They are a minister. Every believer is a minister. By the way, that Great Commission didn't say, pastors go and make disciples of every nation. It didn't say, only adults go and make disciples of every It said, go, period. Almost, there's almost no qualifier. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you are following him as a disciple, you are called. This is your purpose in life, your profession. I'm, I'm right now getting ready to write a book in the near future called The Purpose of Your Profession. Your job is not to bring home a check. It is not even to just be merely uh, fulfilled in what you do and your gifts, skills, and abilities. God needs doctors to reach patients. God needs teachers to reach students and other teachers. The relationships that you build you're there for a reason, and ultimately, this is your purpose. To glorify him by making disciples as you go along in life. All right, let me quickly go ahead. We've got a few more minutes. Facilitating this process of connect, go, grow, serve, and go. At our church, we have specific uh, areas of, of, of ministry that facilitate this, particularly connect when it comes to our worship services, facilitating people connecting with Christ, that ultimately leads them to baptism. Our ushers, our greeters, pass out connect cards. These are decision cards. These are cards where people can put their contact information, cards where they can indicate whether they want Bible study or whether they want to be placed in a grow group, whether they want to be connected with the ministry, 
or they want to transfer their membership. We call it our connect cards because we want to facilitate them connecting with Christ and his church through baptism or transfer of membership or profession of faith. We have greeters that, that pass that out. Bible workers, obviously, when people come down and they make a decision to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and become part of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, they also are getting their information. We've got our caring interest team. They follow up with those connect cards and pass them on to the respective places where those people need to be placed to connect them to the body and to connect them to Christ. We have grow group leaders. That's your small group leaders facilitating your small groups that help people now. You're moving that person from connecting with Christ. They've gotten baptized. We place them now in a grow group. They get baptized. We immediately get them into community. They need to grow in the context of loving, safe community. They need to develop friendships based on where they live. People, members that are clustered in their zip code form a grow group and we place them in that. It's powerful. I wish I had more time. Serve. Uh, ministry leaders, your Pathfinder leaders, your men's ministry leaders. We're familiar with ministries and their leaders. We place them in ministries based on their spiritual gifts. I told you about this book by uh, Dr. Russell Burrell, Revolution in the Church. It's a great book. It expounds some more on this concept of the ministry placement team. This is an ongoing ministry that's constantly placing people based on their spiritual gifts in ministry vacancies. Finally, GO is facilitated by our personal ministries department that facilitates a, a monthly class called the discipleship class, equipping people how to share their faith relationally and, and organically. And then also our community services, our pastoral staff, elders, the board's responsibility is to facilitate the evangelism of the church. Okay? So this is just, these are key ministries that are facilitating this process of moving somebody from connecting with Christ to becoming a full-fledged disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. Are you, are you feeling me? Are you getting it? All right. Now let's quickly move forward. The grow groups. You've heard me talk about grow groups. I just want to quickly talk to you about some of the philosophy. In the first century, Jesus formed a small group of 12 disciples. And the first small group was in heaven from eternity past. The Godhead was the first small group. The first community, if you will. And so when Jesus comes to this earth, he continues Trinity life in the form of his small group, the 12 disciples. There's another practical reason why our grow groups are 12 in number, or we try to, once we grow to 12 in number, um, if we go beyond that, it's time for our group to split. Let me tell you, let me tell you why. Your small groups begin to lose Relational dynamics when it grows beyond 12. Then now there's deep theological reasons why 12 was used in the Old Testament to the, the 12 sons of Israel and also in the New Testament, 12 disciples. There's theological reasons, but there's also practical reasons why a small group, when it grows too big, you lose some of that connectivity. People can get lost in a crowd when they come to your church, amen? So the smaller the group is, the better. You had a question? Question 12. What happens when there are couples and couples with children? Yes, in our grow group, we have a room. My wife recently has been primarily facilitating our child care, but we have a room for the kids. Okay. And then we have the parents. Now, you, not every group, it, the group, it's up to the group. Yes. And we even have a, a system on our website and, and, and so forth that indicates which grow groups have child care. Okay. So when you're the 12 adults, it's okay to have the husband and wife. So you include oh, yes. the husband and wife. And Together. Husband. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. All right, I want to get to the nuts and bolts of how we facilitate this. 
And so just wanted to share with you, 12 is the number by which we seek to grow our grow groups to. You may start with six, but you wanna to go to 12. Once you go beyond 12, it's time for your group to split to two groups. Our grow group or small group system is based on semesters, like a school semester, spring semester, then we go to summer semester, then we go to the fall semester. And in between the semesters are two week breaks. Your grow group we recommend that our grow groups have two leaders facilitating that group. Why? Well, Jesus sent them out two by two. And, number, and, and then number two, one person may need to go away for a weekend or need to go away for some time and that group can continue because there's another group leader. So there's a semester system for those groups and when, when you have a break in between, we're gonna show, I'm gonna show you the cycle in a minute. When you have that break in between those semesters, that's an opportunity if your group has grown beyond 12 to split that group into two groups. They've multiplied. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus said, start in Jerusalem, go to Judea, then go to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How did they do that? Well, it happened in Acts chapter two. They went from house to house and took back the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, neighborhood by neighborhood, city by city, until it spread into the entire Roman Empire. How'd they do that? House to house, neighbor to neighbor, person to person. The responsibilities of a grow group leader to facilitate the weekly gathering. Um, I'll explain what that looks like in a minute. To pray for and with each member every week, four days after you've met in your grow group or your small group, you call them just for a minute and just say, hi, how are you doing? I just wanted to find out how you were doing in your week. I heard that you had a test this week. I just wanna let you know I'm praying for you, sister. And can I pray with you now? Who doesn't wanna be connected with during the week? Someone called just to say, I care about you. We hold them accountable to do that with everybody that's in their group. They also uh, refer any other grow group leaders that, are, that the Holy Spirit is raising up within their group. You may see someone else that seems like they would wanna do something like this, and it's very simple when we break down how you do it. But that's important because I believe the Holy Spirit is doing that because when that group reaches capacity, you can't fit that many people in your living room anymore. You need to go to two groups, and the Holy Spirit is gonna raise up another leader to take on that group when it splits. That's another reason why we have two leaders because one can go with this group and the other one can stay with that group. And you raise up another co-leader for those two groups, okay? And then of course we meet once a month for encouragement, for equipping and support. I meet with the grow group leaders once a month to share with each other what's working for you, let me equip you and how we can better do this. I told you a little bit more about the uh, semester system, so I'm not gonna continue with that. I told you that the groups are geographically located. We, if we have people in Laurel, we have four groups at our church in Laurel, and we have groups in Upper Marlboro, and we have 35 groups at our church. 35, membership is four, oh, just over 400, and in attendance, we have up to 600 some Sabbaths. And most, most members, and even regular attendees, many of them, are all in grow groups. We simply place them in grow groups based on where they live. It's convenient for where they live. And when do they meet? Any day of the week. Any day, any time of the week. But they meet for no more than an hour and a half. An hour or to an hour and a half. Do they fellowship? Do they eat? Yes, and I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what that looks like. And let me show you which book really influenced this, this principle of Connect, Grow, Serve, Go and the semester system. I highly recommend this book, Activate, by Nelson Searcy and, 
and, uh, and Carrick Thomas. Great resource. I'm going to leave it here if you want to take a look at it as well. But let me quickly move on. Some, some churches have done this by volunteering people to sign up for their grow group. We decided to simply place people based on where they live, and it's worked wonderfully because it's very convenient for our members. But what, does, what, what does a grow group weekly meeting look like? Okay, what does it look like? Well, let me just quickly walk you through what we do when we get together. Uh, because people are coming home from work, we typically try to start at around 7 o'clock, maybe 7.30, okay? You start with simple fellowship, just casual talking um, over some food, maybe some refreshments, some healthy snacks, some fruit. You know, as you're talking, again, you're creating connection and you're bonding, you're creating relationships. Your mind is transitioning from that busy work you know, day that you had to now spiritual things. That also gives 15 minutes of grace to people that are running late. And you will have those people. <laughs> but it's very important to start on time. Start at 7 or whenever you start. Start on time. Also, we go into an icebreaker. This book is called the Serendipity Bible. It's the New International Version. But it's a Bible. I'll also leave this here for you to look. It's a wonderful resource. We bought this for all of our Grow Group leaders. Every book of the Bible and every chapter of the Bible has already embedded on the side of the page small group questions, discussion questions based on that chapter. And they even have it broken down. You can have a 13-week, you know, for the entire semester. It breaks, it breaks it down what you're going to study every week. And it gives you the questions to ask, your icebreaker question, that's just a light question to get discussion started, then your Bible study questions, then your, in the heart symbol here is your life application questions. What does this look like in my own life? How do I apply what I just read? Great resource for that. Everybody in our church, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew right now with this. Oh, wow, there's so much I want to share with you, but I have just about maybe a minute or two left. Um, but after you, after you go through your icebreaker, maybe you want to do short testimonies, um, they're, they're transitioning their minds from whatever they just went through in secular work or activity to now spiritual things. You then go into prayer, pray for the people that are on their way, pray for the people that may not, may, did not come for whatever reason, but they're in your group, you pray for them, and you just pray for the Holy Spirit to be with you as you now go into the Word. You go into the Word or any other study, maybe you want to get one of Auntie Ellen's beautiful books and walk through them, that's perfectly fine. Um, whatever curriculum is going to work and be applicable for your group, and then after you go through your study of about maybe 40 minutes, you have a time of praise and prayer requests. You have your co-leader or someone you've designated to write those down. It's very important. People you know, feel very good when they know that they're being prayed for specifically. Then you go into prayer. I recommend a season of prayer. Break your grow group into uh, pairs of prayer partners so they can pray for each other's needs. Then the co-leader will now close out that season. It's beautiful. I love it. At our grow group, you know, you just hear the prayer. Just, you can just hear it ascending as everybody's praying individually in our home. It reminds me of the book of Acts, you know. Uh, you can just hear the prayers just ascending to God. It's just beautiful. But then you kind of close it out with a closing prayer, you, the, you as the co-leader, and you have your uh, prayer requests. Pray over them now as the, as the, as the, as the leader of that group. We had a young lady recently, I'm not going to mention her name, um, but she's in, an, in one of our Laurel groups. There's four groups in Laurel, and three of them are active right now. She's in one of our other groups. She uh, is a young girl, not, I don't even think she's 30 yet. Um, they believed that she had cancer. Her group 
got to get, no pastor is present in this group. They got to get, no elder is present in this group, okay? But they got together and laid hands on her in their group. She recently got the results back, no cancer. I, I, I nearly danced in the restaurant when I heard the news. I was just so excited, okay? We have another young lady, the young lady who invited Amanda I was telling you about earlier, who's in our group. She recently needed a job. We prayed for her that God would give her a job. He didn't just give her a job. He gave her the job she wanted in the city that she needed to work in. So God began to answer prayers. And it's, it's powerful when you're praying together and you can look back and see how God is answering prayers in your midst. I want to put everything together really quick. And lastly, um, I mentioned, I hope I mentioned, <laughs> the, at the end of every semester, there is a reaping event. Okay? We're going to be done in about maybe three minutes, okay? There is a reaping event, and, and so for us, at the end of this spring semester that we're currently in, we're going to have a spring revival. We're going to do a weekend revival. It's an opportunity to call the people that have been journeying in your grow group to decision for Jesus Christ. So the revival is the end of the church? Yes. And, we, and, and during that revival, you may want to do a week-long revival or a weekend revival, but I recommend this, and I, I, I wish I had more time to explain why. But I recommend that during the revival, your groups do not meet in the homes. They transition to the church. And they sit together. Because those people that are sitting with you have been journeying with you for an entire, you know, three months for your semester. And they trust you. So the talking head is talking. And they may be hearing something that they agree with. But they know I trust these people in this group. And I recommend... Instead of having an hour-long preaching, and I love to preach long, but, but, but instead of an hour-long preaching, 40 minutes tops, your appeal, and then allow those groups that are sitting together to discuss for 10 to 15 minutes what they just heard the preacher preach about. You just preached about Jesus and the Sabbath. Let them talk about it. Let them, let them resonate with it because they've been, already been doing that throughout the semester. And I guarantee you, you'll begin to see, it's, it's making our presentation of the gospel not just informational, but relational. And this generation wants relationship. Postmodern society, they've studied it. They want to make life decisions in the context of their peers, in the context of their community. And so that's why I recommend that uh, get, getting together. I, I wish I had more time to talk a little bit more about that. But, uh, but I love the evangelistic meeting. I really think, though, we need to include this group time for them to discuss. Let the, let, the, let the grow group leaders follow up with the decision cards that those people in your group have made, okay? Uh, but let me, let, let's just quickly put this all together in the annual cycle. I just want to show you this. We're going to pray. Give me 60 seconds and we'll be done. I'm going to take everything we just discussed now and show you what it looks like. And you see a small breakdown of it right there in your handout, the annual cycle in three semesters, okay? But I'm going to show you here a little bit more broken down. The spring semester starts in January, goes to April. You take a two-week break after your revival. Remember where those groups gathered and sat together in your facility, in your church building. People have made decisions for Jesus Christ, and they take a two-week break. Gives, give your leader a break. Your group's not going on and on and on and on. You don't get a break. Give your leaders a break in that two-week time. Those people that are just baptized, you know what Ellen White says? They are ready to share the gospel with their friends, the good news of the, all those unique, beautiful truths that we have in the light of Christ. They're ready to share it with their friends. Well, guess what they're doing in those two weeks? Man, I just, I'm a part of this group, man. We, we, we meet once a week. We talk about life. We talk about spirituality. We're about to start. 
Thanksgiving takes on a whole new dimension. But that's when you have a full message, full presentation, annual evangelistic meeting where we're presenting the beauty of our doctrines in the light of the gospel. Okay? But then you continue in your groups. They got baptized. They're now continuing back in your groups. They have friendships. They're growing together with you now. And then you go through November. Then you go into December, and you take a two-week break at the end of December. Why? It's the holidays. People want to be with their families and, and relax. And again, we're claiming people have just been baptized. They've had a wonderful experience. They have friends. Do you think they're going to invite their friends now to your group that's about to start in January? Yes. They're going to be excited to because they're not just getting information, friends. They're getting relationships. And organically, they are now sharing their faith with people that work with them, people that are in their neighborhood, that person that you pass by on your block, that you've said hi to from time to time. I believe the Holy Spirit may be nudging you to invite them over to your home. Maybe the first meeting is not a Bible study. Maybe you're having dinner. Invite them over. Matthew threw a party after he came to, to follow Jesus Christ. He invited the the tax collectors and the prostitutes, but he invited them to eat a meal. We call it Matthew parties. You know, those of us that talk about small groups, we call it Matthew parties. And that's inviting the people from your neighborhood or whoever's in your sphere of influence. The next time you gather, remember those people that you hung out with and you had a good time at that party? We get together once a week and we talk about life and spirituality. Do you want to come and just talk? We eat food together and we just... So friends, thus concludes my presentation for disciple makers. I hope it's been beneficial to you. At the end of the handout at the bottom is an area I, I would encourage you, for your benefit, not mine, to simply write down, maybe in a few words or two, what was the most beneficial thing, the biggest takeaway that you received from tonight's presentation? What is the biggest takeaway? You may be, maybe in your church context, maybe not everything we talked about you can implement, but maybe there's 80% of what I talked about you can implement. What are some of the, the biggest takeaways that you experienced tonight? Write that down for your own benefit so you can take that and by God's grace simply apply it. But I thank you so much for spending this time with me. I saw some of your smiles and I was encouraged by them. Um, I want to thank my wife who was back there and who was recording tonight. If you want to just give my wife a round of applause. Okay. And, uh, and right now, I, just would, I would entertain, unless you need to leave, and if you do, that's perfectly fine. If you need to leave, don't feel any way. But you're going to need to take the survey. Do you have any questions for me right now, based on anything that we talked about? The slides, can you share that with us? I would be more than happy to share the slides with you. If you go to my website, which is on the handout, you can uh, send me a message under contact, and I'll send it right to you. Absolutely. Okay. I, make, I make this presentation wherever invited. Okay, because right now yeah. over at Slide the Church we have something called uh, Homes of Hope. I know. I've, I've spoken to your pastor for yeah, so Homes of Hope. The, I know. The contact, but still it's not, uh, well, it's, I'm also part of it. Yes. Praise God, yeah. I wish I had a chance to talk more with your pastor on that. that no, uh, And, that, and that's where it needs to be. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyone else have any questions briefly you want to mention? No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Well, let's just, let's, let's just have a word of prayer and just thank God before we leave, all right? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for being one 
who is the chief disciple maker. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit baptizing us. Send us out of here with a raised awareness of the people you have strategically placed in our sphere of influence. They're there for a reason. We're, at the, we're working where we are. We're in the school where we are for a reason. Raise our awareness and may we begin to pray for those people. And if we decide to start and launch groups like this in our own church, in our living room, help us, Lord, to just relationally love people into our beautiful Seventh-day Adventist message. And therefore, thus, we will be disciples that make other disciples. We thank you. Send us away safely now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you. Thank you.